All right, are we ready to get into our summary? Summary. 12 Days of X-Men Special Number 1. Written by Chris Kringle, penciled by Wentz Aslus, inked by Noel Ewell, colored by Chelsea Deo, lettered by Tan Enbaum, and edited by Occam Emanuel. The X-Men have gathered after one of their most recent battles with the Krampus to enjoy a delightful white elephant gift exchange. Before everything gets started... Gambit and Rogue kiss under the mistletoe, Ford uses one of his gadgets to make some incredible eggnog, and Cyclops agonizes over whether or not his gift was good. Professor X calls the White Elephant Party to order, in which Jean opens up some scratch-offs from Wolverine, which are quickly stolen by Jubilee. Beast opens a reindeer antler headband from Rogue, which he immediately puts on, demanding no one steal it. No one wants to anyway. This continues on for a little bit until Wolverine opens a box from Cyclops, which is a sensible fountain pen. He's a bit confused by the white elephant nature of the gift. Also, Nightcrawler had been trying to get Wolverine to open a particular gift, but Wolverine ignored him. Storm opens the gift from Nightcrawler, which is a signed picture of him and Wolverine. Storm offers to trade with Wolverine after the night shakes out. Cyclops opens up a gift and promptly slams the lid shut. Some noises are heard from inside. He tells no one to steal it, so of course Rogue does almost immediately. She opens the lid and also shuts it, asking, Who thought this would be a good gift? In a fit of curiosity, Gambit steals it from Rogue and opens it, yelling out an alarm and accidentally dropping the box. Out rolls Cameron Hodge's head. Hodge starts yelling about mutant revenge and everyone begins to freak out, except Beast. This was Beast's present because he thought it would be the most hilarious of all white elephant gifts. Before things can get too rowdy, though, down the chimney comes actual Santa Claus. Remember, in the Marvel Universe, Santa is a mutant. He tells Hodge that he's never not been on the naughty list, and old Saint Nick stuffs the head in his bag before shooting up the chimney. Hodge is never to be seen again. The crew share eggnog and have a nice Christmas. And with that, we'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas, as well as one more opportunity this year to talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to the final of our three episodes covering Extinction Agenda. Maybe it's just been that, like, the past month has seemed so long, but I feel like we've always talked about Extinction Agenda. Like, I feel like our podcast is just Extinction Agenda, and that's all we've ever done. That's how I felt when we covered Crisis. Well, because you wanted one episode per issue, so it did literally take forever. <laughs> it was so much. I wanted to to never, ever read a comic book again. And then you did. And then I did. Well, how, what, how do you feel about them now? Uh, you know, I'm always somewhere in between. I never want to read a comic book again, and comics are great. Always somewhere between there. Always somewhere between. This is going to be our last episode of this year. Last episode of 2021. Yeah. We're ending on a on a on a high note, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Re- I think so. Yeah. The end of extinction agenda? It's over. <laughs> That's a high note. That is a high note. 
Well, are we ready to get out our eggnog and cozy up by the fire and finish up Extinction Agenda? We're really stretching to turn this into a Christmas comic, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> you really tried with that cold open. I tried so hard. We never do Christmas-themed episodes because there's not really like a lot of Christmas crossovers. Right, right. We did do the Muppet one last year. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> Readers, if you're looking for something Christmassy right now and you didn't listen to that last year, we we covered a Muppet Christmas. It's a, Mu- a Muppet Family Christmas. A Muppet Family Christmas. I was about to say Muppet Christmas Carol, but that was not what we covered. Also kind of a crossover, though. It is. It is. Dickens meets Muppets. <laughs> Michael Caine absolutely brings it in that movie. He plays it like he is like doing Shakespeare. I swear, like every you know, he everything is very serious. Spirit, I, I wish you hadn't brought me here, Spirit. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's done fabulously. Yeah. All right. Well, happy holidays, readers, and we're gonna get on into the the actual summary this time. Uncanny X-Men number 272, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee, inked by Scott Williams, colored by Glynis Oliver and Joe Rosas, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, edited by Bob Harris and Mark Greenwald. For some reason, our remaining heroes get a trial instead of just immediately getting turned into mutates, which is confusing, but whatever. Wolverine tries to escape, but to no avail. They're offered the choice of being turned into mutates or death. They all choose death and are turned over to Cameron Hodge. Cable tries to break free to shoot Hodge, but Hodge holds up Psylocke in front of him as a human shield. Psylocke decides she wants to be turned into a mutate instead, and Havoc orders some of his men to lead her away. And Hodge somehow forces Wolverine and Archangel to duel to the death? Sure. Jubes, Richter, and Boom Boom change clothes in a bad part of town they're hiding in, only for them to notice... And follow the Gene-Geneer. Using her impressive martial arts skills, Psylocke breaks free, beats up the guards, and climbs into the ductwork. Hodge creeps off with Wolfsbane in tow, using his cyborg body to discover that via hacking that the Gene-Geneer is plotting against him. He lures Wipeout up to the room and kills him. Oh no, how will the X-Men get their powers back? Gambit picks the locks of the prisoners, and they begin their escape as Havoc discovers Wipeout's body. Rain claims that she saw Havoc kill Wipeout, and some arriving magistrates place him under arrest. A magistrate named Anderson, who's leading Storm around, gets attacked by Hodge. She's never liked Hodge and thinks he's ruining their country. She is saved by Psylocke, who unleashes a hail of bullets at Hodge. Anderson tells Psylocke she has the key to restoring their powers. The X-Men rescue Archangel and Wolverine just as Anderson and Storm arrive. Storm activates her powers, which both restores her mind and body to her full adult self, but also gives Cyclops back his power. Let's let's just go with it. But who else arrives to ruin their reunion but Cameron Hodge? New Mutants number 97, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by Guang Yap, inked by Joe Rubenstein and Art Thibert, colored by Steve Bucoletto, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Bob Harris. Storm restores Jean's powers and the powered trio try to fend off Hodge. It's looking dire until a big explosion rocks the building. As Hodge retreats to protect his laboratory, Cyclops explains the boom was a robotic bomb that Forge made. Forge chose to remain unconscious to conceal this knowledge 
What a guy. Jubes, Boom Boom, and Richter are following the Genegineer, who is using a mutate to tunnel into what appears to be Hodge's lair. However, the bomb goes off at that exact moment, knocking the Genegineer unconscious and killing the poor mutate. The trio drag the Genegineer to the lab, but quickly hide when Hodge shows up. They find Warlock's ashes, and Richter demands the Genegineer give them back their powers. Storm wakes up Forge and restores everyone's powers, and Magistrate Anderson reveals that the Genegineer didn't actually transform Storm into a mutate, but instead made her kind of a sleeper agent. Cable, Storm, Cannonball, and Sunspot go looking for rain while everyone else is off to confront Hodge. Meanwhile, Havoc's guards were incapacitated in the explosion, so he escapes. After Hodge has left, the teenage trio find rain in the Genegineer's lab, who attacks them at first but is stopped from an order by the Genegineer. Storm and crew arrive, and Storm restores everyone's powers. It has a slightly different effect on rain as her werewolf form becomes larger and meaner, and the Genegineer explains that she'll be a mutate in her human form and thus must stay in werewolf or wolf form from now on. Skulking around the complex, Hodge senses some mutants and phases through the floor, attacking a group of our X-Men friends. Storm and her group enter Hodge's lab, where Rain finds the remains of Warlock and mourns for her friend. In a fit of revenge, the new mutants start wrecking the lab, and Hodge senses it, abandoning his attack on the X-Men and phasing into his lab. He immediately flings spikes at Jubilee and Sunspot, nailing them to the wall. An all-out brawl ensues, and Hodge is still easily fending off our mutants until the Genegineer blasts him with a rocket launcher. Hodge snaps the scientist's neck and flees. Sunspot, Cannonball, Jubilee, and Boom Boom are too injured to continue the fight, but the others run off in search of Hodge. X-Factor, issue 62, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by John Bogdanov, inked by Al Milgram, colored by Glynis Oliver, lettered by Task Force Z, and edited by Bob Harris. Apparently, our strike team has split up, with Richter and Wolfsbane finding Hodge. They radio Cable and Storm, who immediately set off to rendezvous. Richter tries to stop Wolfsbane from taking on Hodge by herself, but she's pretty upset and takes the fight to the cyborg. Cable and Storm arrive via ventilation duct, but Hodge grabs Cable and throws him to the ground. However, he radios all the rest of the X-Men as Storm brings her full power to bear on Hodge. Everyone races to find the fight, but Cyclops tries to keep Jean out of it. Wolverine growls at him not to underestimate Jean, and Gene psychically separates them and tells the boys to buzz off. Hodge nearly defeats Storm when Archangel shows up, noting Hodge's ability to phase is likely connected to a hump on his back. Warren rips through the mechanism, but Hodge stops Archangel with some super glue that he shoots from his mouth. Weird. Anyway, Hodge ensnares Archangel and prepares to saw off our hero's head. Beast has been tasked with getting the injured out, but he's pretty hurt bad himself. Not bad enough to still be able to rip a hole in the wall where he tasks some mutates with helping them. Havoc arrives and blasts Hodge with some patented plasma power. Gene, Wolverine, and Cyclops arrive soon after and the fight begins in earnest. Beast finds the other injured teens, and Magistrate Anderson arrives as well with the president at gunpoint. It turns out Anderson is staging a coup and offers any help to the injured mutants. The squad fighting Hodge injures him bad enough that he flees towards the building's roof. Gene and Wolverine, though, are in no shape to fight. The brothers Summers unite, putting their powers on full blast and ripping apart Hodge's body. Cyclops blasts Hodge's remaining organic part, his head, off the edge of the building, but it grabs Havoc with a weird mechanical tongue. Cyclops grabs his brother and the three go over the edge. 
Jean saves the brothers, and Hodge's head splats in front of Rain. Rain rips more circuitry out of Hodge and throws his head back into the citadel. Richter uses his powers to bring the whole thing down. Anderson announces to the country that the president has been overthrown, and the military will take command pending lawful elections. Havoc and Rain decide to stay to make sure the mutates are no longer exploited, while the rest of the crew head back to Westchester, where they lay Warlock's ashes on Doug Ramsey's grave. All right, what'd you think of this finale? I I kept thinking it was it was the end, but then there was there was another issue. For each of these three issues, each of these three issues seems like it could have wrapped up the crossover. It is a lot of like running around and then finding Hodge and then running around some more and then Hodge finds somebody and then running around some more. Right. There's they it's really stretched out. Uh-huh. Like a lot of stuff happens, but not all of it really needed to happen. Like, if somebody was making a movie edit of this crossover, there would be a lot of things cut. Do you think some people would prefer the extended edition? And they'd be like, it's Christmas time. We're watching the extended edition of, of Extinction Agenda. I'm sorry that the theatrical versions aren't as long, but they're not as good. There's so much that they leave out. Yeah. For example, I've heard that the theatrical version of Extinction Agenda doesn't have Tom Bombadil. Oh my goodness, that's such a crime. I've heard that the theatrical edition doesn't have ventilation ducts. <laughs> there was quite a lot of running around <laughs> ventilation ducts. And they're so big. There was so much, so much, in fact, that I thought it could have been a Christmas comic very much like Die Hard. Because it, it references Die Hard. It does. So therefore, by extension, ergo... In conclusion... Concurrently. <laughs> it is a Christmas comic. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so we, we picked the closest thing to a Christmas crossover. Sure. <laughs> and we totally did it intentionally. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a, kind of a lot of, like, a lot of little things go down in these last three issues. Mm-hmm. So we've got, like, Storm, who apparently... I can't figure out... If she was given the power to do that, or that was just something that was part of her power set? I don't know. How did she become an adult? Like, I don't... The jolting back their power is weird, because it's supposed to be that Wipeout, like, puts, like, a gene block in. Right, but Storm touching another mutant was enough to unlock her, and also move her from childhood to adulthood, and apparently fully restore her powers, which were not fully functioning before when she was a child. Yep. Uh, It's like how in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, if you take the magic sword out, you suddenly become an adult. It's like that, but it's with electricity. So this is a fun fact that you might not know, Christy. Early in Chris Claremont's X-Men run, Mm -hmm. so when Storm was basically a new character, she used to put her outfit on with her powers. Like, lightning would strike her and her outfit would suddenly be on. Oh, they abandoned it and never explained it. <laughs> but I'm like, is this supposed to be something like that? I mean, like, it's a well-known fact that Marvel doesn't, like, quite... They, they There's a lot of hand-waving with magnetism and electricity. Like, magnetism right. can do anything. Uh, if something's, like, atomic, it can do a lot of things. For a while, if it was Iron Man, if it would be, like, like a transistor, 
Mm-hmm. It'd be like transistor powered or so like microchips. What you're, what you're saying is comics creators are not scientists. <laughs> no, often not. Do you feel like that this is a detriment and that your science background would be something that you would bring to the table in a comics creator position? <laughs> this is not an interview. <laughs> I don't want to write comic books, really. <laughs> I have wondered, like, if, like, someone with, like, a really strong molecular biology or genetics background writing about X-Men and how interesting that would be. But would it be interesting to everyone or would it be interesting to people who really know, like, molecular biology? I think it would only be interesting to me specifically. (laughs) So you don't want to create comics, but you want comics created (laughs) specifically for your niche taste. Isn't that that how everybody is? I mean, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I just want someone to explain how the map kinase cascade works in X-Men stuff. Maybe it should be you. <laughs> to be fair, it should be nobody. <laughs> that stuff should not be explained. I remember when the, in Jonathan Hickman's uh, House of X Powers of Ten, uh-huh. uh, Tom Muller did those, those data pages. And one of them had, a, like, how the chimeras stuff worked. And mm-hmm. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> These pictures are wrong. Nice try, Pat. Pat. Yeah. Also, I was like, if you have an if you have four X genes, do they start to like cancel each other out, like X inactivation does? And I was like, stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> but I found that the the fact that the the like so at the end of the last issue of New Mutants, mm-hmm. Havoc is like, well, I'm the only one left, and I remember stuff. And you're like, Havoc's gonna bring it. Havoc brings nothing. Havoc brings the very last bit. But mm-hmm. otherwise, he, like, immediately gets, like, duped and, like, captured for a murder. Right. He doesn't break out through his own powers. It is simply serendipity that gets him out of his situation. You know, what? what's a himbo going to do? I just counted on it. I'd forgotten enough about this comic that I'd counted on Havoc to, like, break everybody out. But instead, Gambit's got, like, a hairpin in his teeth or whatever. Or I forget how he does it, but he picks No, no, no. Gambit is pierced through the thigh by a spike. That's right. One of Hodge's little spikies. And manages to pull the spike out of his thigh and use it at that as a lockpick. That's right. Which is pretty gruesome. That's hardcore. pretty cool. <laughs> like... This is some. This is early Gambit times too, and I don't know if they were like fully figuring out what Gambit was going to be yet. But man, guy who like pulls out a bloody lock, a bloody pick, and starts picking a lock with it—that's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about the fact that the the turn of the tide for the X Men came from the Engineer, like oh, and he like planting something, making Storm a sleeper agent, whatever hand wavy stuff they said. Yeah. There's not, there's not like a whole ton of agency in this entire story. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the stuff that happens, like they get beat and then like, I guess Psylocke does some, some cool stuff in this mm-hmm. by like breaking free. Right. And, uh, you know, they had the whole plan of the, the bombs placed and Forge unconscious. And, you know, it seems like Cyclops had a pretty good plan mm-hmm. coming in and there are some things in place, but the big thing of getting their powers back just seemed to randomly happen just as randomly as their powers were taken away. I think it's just supposed to be the twist that the gene engineer, oh, he's, he's helping them all along. But it's like, it's, it is, it is a, you, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not like blow my mind sort of mm-hmm. twist. It's kind of the 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of a, a deal. The enemy of my enemy is my frenemy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he dies after, like, he gets hit one time after, like, shooting a bunch of rocket launchers. Yeah, he he wasn't very tough. He was not built for tough. He was... The- <laughs> Have you ever had a cyborg man in your basement trying to take over your country? That's the feeling of a Ford F-150. <laughs> Hodge was built for <laughs> Found on rocks dead. Oh, man. That's a gruesome fight at the end, though. Like, or not even... I mean, I guess they, they fight till the end until he's just ahead, but the head is still kicking. And, like, knowing that this is not it for Hodge at this point, after a whole building falls on him. Do you like that Hodge always has glasses or something like glasses? Like, if, if you're a cyborg, why do you need glasses? Well, His glasses end, were got, cracked they were. for a lot of it. I like that apparently that later in in one of the in the first X Men crossover that we covered, which for some reason you decided was Phalanx Covenant. Yeah, hilarious. Mm-hmm. He still had glasses in that, and he was like a Phalanx person. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> he also had like some weird like Phalanxy dreads. Not that's a, that was a strange look. He did for Man, for Cameron. I cannot tell you why I picked that. I think I I looked up. It had uh, Emma Frost. Emma Frost. Yeah, I looked up. X-Men crossovers that had Emma Frost and that had the beginning of Generation Next. I think that's the first Generation crossover X. she's in, technically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's what I wanted. <laughs> Wild decision-making. Slight tangent. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Spice World, the album, today, and their song Generation Next came on, and I was just, like, really feeling X-Men and Spice Girls. And it was a beautiful time. What is more 90s than the combination of X-Men and Spice Girls? Like, like Ecto Cooler, put that in there. Ecto Cooler? Did you never have Ecto Cooler? I don't think I did. It was high C, but it was like Ghostbuster themed. And it was like bright green and had Slimer on the front, who's like the green ghosty. Mm. You didn't have Ecto Cooler. Probably not. My parents weren't really into sugary drinks. Yeah. They okay. Were, they were special treats. <laughs> well, they were for me too. I didn't have it all the time, but okay. Like, um, okay. What's more '90s than the combination of X Men? Okay. Spice World. Okay. Surge. Oh, the soda. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. What else is really '90s? Pogs, skateboards, baby bottle pops, baby bottle pops, puka sh- puka shells. Is that '90s? Mm-hmm, maybe. maybe parachute pants. Love these. Ugh. remembering a delightful childhood so cameron speaking of 90s cameron hodges in the cartoon oh but is he more than a head he's a phalanx that's the first time he appears if i remember correctly Mm. i I might be wrong i feel i feel like this this event was more hodge than i ever wanted this is like the last time he's i think a credible threat yeah he's literally only in a portion of the um Phalanx Covenant stuff. And then I think after that, he doesn't even show up in a crossover again. He's like a, he's kind of like a. Somebody's going to bring him back. He was, he was in Dawn of X. I can't remember which one though. And it was Mm. slightly ineffective. Mm. Yeah. I guess there's more interesting baddies besides Hodge. I think I would have really liked Hodge as like a Orcus bad guy though. Mm. 
But instead, Hickman just made up a bunch of new people. Right. It would be fun to see Warlock versus Hodge, now. like a, like like a now, Ooh. like a like a showdown. A showdown. Love that. I'm really glad that no X writers listen to this podcast, so that can definitely still happen. Yeah, because they can't. You know, once they hear a, an idea, they have to scrap it. Right. So if I'm like, Krakoa becomes a mech, they can't use it. That's right. <laughs> it's a bummer. Kaiju Krakoa. <gasps> Krakaiju. <laughs> So how do you feel about, I feel like we've talked, we've hit a lot of the emotional beats. There's two more I want to hit. Uh-huh. Rain now can never be a human being, well, a, a, a human looking Yeah, human form. Without like suddenly being like mindless. Which, okay. Obviously that doesn't last forever. Right. But uh, it lasts for like a long time. And she stays on Genosha. Until X-Factor... 76 i think happens and that's when they they form that like government team with like uh, polaris and havoc right wolf spain strong guy okay but otherwise the two of them do stay she also for some reason they make they make it and it's not established in this but they make it so she has this weird psychic connection to havoc it's because she's a mutate and he was like a magistrate and it's like it's added after the fact and i, I don't think it adds anything and it's like kind of pseudo creepy the way yeah, that's that it's weird per- it's portrayed in like a pseudo kind of creepy like she has like a almost crush on him that she can't control i don't like it oh ew yeah. ew i could have not known that and I'm now sorry. i do i'm sorry why I'm sorry. why do you tell me these cursed things i'm sorry eventually she can turn into like a bunch of wolves at mm. once that's actually kind of i cool mean thing. none of this is worse than how she gives birth <laughs> that's awful it's so awful Man, the two thousands were a, were a bane okay. on comic books. Which which X Men have it worse than Rain Sinclair? Havoc. Okay. No, no. Mm, I don't know. Like Rain Sinclair is doing pretty good right now, ish. Right, but who's like had it worse? Like who's had it like the dirt worst? Rain had to give birth through her mouth to a wolf god. That's pretty bad. Who's just gone now? From what I know, if right. I if I recall correctly. Jean Grey's had it decently rough. She's had to, like, absorb another woman's psyche. Yeah, she's, that's pretty bad. She's, like, kind of died, but not really. And then she did really die. Yeah, that's a lot. Magneto's been through a lot. I'm just going to really be stuck on the, the giving birth part. But this this is this is pretty awful, too. I think it was Siren. Yeah. Siren gave birth to a baby that she, like... Was oh, pregnant for for nine with months. Madra- Madrox, and then when he picked it up, it was it was actually one of his dupes' babies. And for some reason, e- even though this baby is not Madrox because it was from a dupe, he accidentally absorbs this baby, and so she just like gave she was like pregnant for nothing. <laughs> that's pretty terrible. It is. Actually, that's so the the a lot of like I don't think the rain thing came from X Factor, but that's a run of X Factor where I'm just like, what is going on? A lot of weird stuff happens. Ugh. Richter's powerless for a lot of it. Speaking of Richter, he just brought down a whole building. Like, didn't? What if there were still like some people mm-hmm. in there? He didn't care. He mm-hmm. brought the whole thing down. He could have done that at any time. But he and he and Rain were reunited and and had some. He was like, "All right, head count. All right, all the X Men are here. Bring the building down." <laughs> I think the other kind of um, emotional moment is the Summers brothers finally getting a big team up. I don't that remember them getting a big team up before this. I'm sure they did in like some early pre-Claremont X-Men when they were both on the same team. But I thought that was that's pretty neat. 
Yeah, that was a fun fun reunion. I just now need a, a three Summers Brothers reunion with Vulcan, Cyclops, mm. and Havoc. I would be just delighted about that. It'd be fun. It would be. I have a weird soft spot for Vulcan now. There were like a couple issues of that X-Men run where he, he was like a sad boy. And I was like, oh no, he's so sad. I cannot hear you say Vulcan and not think about Star Trek, though. I just have not. Wow, you don't think enough. of the Roman god? Nope. <laughs> not even a little bit. Nope. Uh, I think the three of them having a moment together would be fun. But I liked the Summers Brothers moment. I liked the Gene, Wolverine, and Cyclops moment. Where Gene's like, hey, piss off. <laughs> I've got this, boys. Stop fighting. <laughs> I do like that, though, afterwards, Cyclops is like, she's right. She's such a capable member of the team. And Wolverine's got this weird little grin. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> look at that lady. Just look at her. I like the, the boys kind of have a humina moment. Little little humina, mm-hmm. humina, humina. Man. Sometimes I feel like the O5 just should have never continued. Like, I, I I read them now. And like the O5, when I read them here, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I like all of this. This is good. I don't hate Beast. That's great. <laughs> Scott seems like capable. Um... I mean, this is after he abandoned his, his wife and baby. That's like the worst thing he's probably ever That's done. That's probably the worst, but it's not the most annoying he's been. What's the most annoying he's been? Just like him. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Avengers versus X-Men. He's a bunch in that. He's kind of, he's a little correct though. I do love that the X-Men, the Phoenix Five get that. Uh, well, we're not, no, you know what? Never mind. We're not talking about Avengers versus X-Men. We don't have to get into it. <laughs> It's a whole deal. Uh, I like him recently where now he just like enjoys sandwiches and it's just like having a great. good time. That's great. I just feel like when you have so many decades of story that has to be pulled out of a character, they're going to get so muddy. And yeah, so right. Claremont originally wanted X-Men to basically proceed in like a pseudo real time, not like exactly, but like time would pass and people would retire and new people would enter. And so eventually you'd have this like Theseus's ship mm-hmm. of the the entire team is different than what it started with. And I, I almost wonder if like maybe a comic should give that a try. I I like the idea because I think, you know, and it's not the characters can't grow and evolve and change. It's just like eventually they've all They've all done so many terrible things. Well, like, are they? <laughs> like Scott Summers, if he aged normally, would be like he would have been born in like the late forties. So, yeah, like he, he, you know, he, 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 as a young man, he's lived the life of an old man, <laughs> effectively. Right. <laughs> Except like it's superhero, so it's like a hundred times more intense. So it is interesting. Uh, I know what you mean, though, about the, about about uh. Maybe, maybe at some point, like, I think a lot of people recently have figured out, like, I don't know if Peter Parker has, like, any more, any more stories left in him. Right. Like, the whole thing was he was, like, a teen, and those were great. And then eventually, like, as an adult, they're just like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Right. Right. Let somebody... I think the X-Men are fundamentally better about that because there's so many of them that you can just kind of, like, juggle some in and out and be like, oh, look, there's a new dynamic or, like... Right. I think that... Which is funny because a a big complaint about X-Men for the longest time was they just keep going through the same stories over and over again, which is like, oh, 
Those humans, they're at it again. They got another robot. What are we going to do this time? Things, things of that nature. I don't know, but I guess if soap operas can go on this long. They often do have a rotating cast, though, because, you know, like, people don't always want to... People do not always want to, like, act that long in one role. Right. Like, you know, General Hospital is different than... People die, come back to life. Yeah. All the, all the, all the same things that yeah. are, that are ex-pals do. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> that's what comics are. Are we ready to get into our Twitter questions? Yeah, let's get into Twitter questions. All right. Our first question comes from at Cave of Splendor, who says... Given it's a portmanteau for genetic and engineer, not gene and engineer, what are the odds that it's actually pronounced to rhyme with engineer? Gene-geneer or gen-geneer or... Ge- oh, so instead of gene-geneer, gen-geneer? Yeah, because it's genetic engineer, a gen-geneer, not a gene-geneer. I think... Mm. Then they add an extra E, though? No, they didn't. It is gene hmm, or gen-geneer. What are the odds? I don't know. I, I only pronounce it this way because Jay and Miles pronounce it that way. <laughs> I and I and I followed your lead, but I, I think when I read it, I was just like, "No, Gene." Engineer. Mm-hmm. I think the pseudo rhyme of the first and last syllable make it sound slightly more uh, like aesthetically pleasing. Gene mm-hmm. engineer. E e. That's deeper than I would have thought about it. I've been thinking about language a lot recently. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> But uh, it's possible. And then follow up of anyway, if you were weird spider robot things, what kind of outfits would be on your cardboard cutouts? Uh, I would have a cardboard cutout of a tuxedo t-shirt. So then it's like three levels deep. (laughs) I would have a a cardboard cutout of of a very nice tailored suit. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to imagine, you know, those shirts that some people wear that are like, like, for some reason, like someone in a bikini. Yes, I, I, I know the shirt. Those, those are so awful. <laughs> I'm just imagining a cardboard cutout of one of those. A cardboard cutout of a shirt of a bikini on a person. See, and I'm just imagining a cardboard cutout of a nice tailored suit would probably be cheaper than a nice tailored suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm glad we don't have spider bodies with humps that allow us to phase that are really only mentioned in the back third of the crossover. He's just suddenly had the ability to phase through the floor. And right? he was, we had no idea before that. Yeah. Genotions have either Genotions or him have like, like insane technology, like completely wild, like yes. change the earth stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, our next question comes from at Dalek Chris. Cameron Hodge has been an evil bureaucrat, an evil demon allied preacher, an evil immortal head on a giant robot scorpion monster with cardboard suit cutout, and an evil T-1000 Borg hybrid. What evil thing should Cameron Hodge be next? Aw. And Dalek Chris says, new listener and loving the pod. Um... All right, so what's what's his what's his next like phase of life? Mm. I think Cameron Hodge should be an evil diner owner. Okay, is it like a cyborg body or or just he's got a body now? I think he's a head that sits behind the cash register. Mm. Mm. No one wants to eat there. <laughs> I think Cameron Hodge should be face offed with <gasps> someone. Oh no! <laughs> so that someone else has a weird robot body. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he gets an actual actual body. <laughs> oh no! You're gonna take his face off. <laughs> did you did you know that that part with the like I want I want to take his face off was completely not in the script. Cage just did it. I. 1,000% believe that. <laughs> it's incredible. Of course he would put the title of the movie in when it wasn't already in there. <laughs> I like the idea of a uh, face-off Cameron Hodge. <laughs> uh, and Dalek Chris also asks, uh, okay, since it's still open, I just want to share that my fiancé suggested he'd be an evil Twitter hashtag, so official challenge to beat that one. An evil, like, that is so, that's like, so outside the box he like enters cyberspace and just becomes a hashtag i'm trying to imagine how a hashtag becomes like malicious the x spoilers hashtag has often become malicious oh i've got it muted so (laughs) it's probably for the best (laughs) and then uh last question comes from at joshua f tribble which character should have been killed instead of bestest boy warlock hmm Mm, Psylocke, and then maybe she comes back in her own body. Love that. I would have said uh, Archangel, and he would have had a fun heroic sacrifice. Oh, yeah, that that would have been good. Mm-hmm. Warlock eventually comes back, though, as a boy with a side part. Gotta love a boy with a side part. <laughs> hmm. Can't relate. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the questions. Yeah, are we ready to get into some accolades? Yes. All right, Christy, what's that best line? My best line comes from Psylocke as she is climbing through the ventilation ducts, and she says, Here I go, alone, armed, facing impossible odds, crawling through a ventilation duct, as Jubilee would say, or would no doubt say, Eat your heart out, Bruce Willis. That was mine, too. Oh, we got a daily double. <laughs> Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah, that line ruled. It was great. I had a f- I, I had I had fun hearing it. Mm-hmm. All right. And what about your greatest hero? Mine's Storm because she gives everybody's powers back. Okay. I I think that I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick that because like because you because you don't like Storm. No, I do like Storm, but I felt like that wasn't really her choice. She just happened to be a a vehicle for the story. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I chose for my greatest hero. Forge. Oh, because he was... made that bomb and then decided to be unconscious. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how Forge gets to decide to be unconscious. That sounds really great. Psylocke probably just. Mm. But like his his body winds up like ripped apart and he's in pretty rough shape. But like he went through it. Imagine and... waking up and be like, "Did the bomb work? Ow!" <laughs> right. Uh, what about the coolest moment? I think the coolest moment is when uh, Cyclops and Havoc do their Care Bear stare. At the same time and combine their, their, their shooty, their shooty forces. That was very cool. And my coolest moment comes fairly close to that. Like that whole face off with the brothers on the bridge against Hodge is so great. But I thought the, the coolest moment was like the dangle rescue from the building after they like blast Hodge's head off the building. And he and grabs Hodge- him with his tongue. Mm-hmm. How did he have an extendable tongue that also shoots goop? It's so weird. It is so weird. Uh, but it was a it was a cool moment of the brothers, you know, hanging and mm. 
just before they fall and Gene catches them. Yeah, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. I need to interject that the bit where he spits out the polymer or whatever, he looks like a Muppet. Yes. Well, speaking of the bit where he spits out polymer, the Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy, I give mine to Hodge for squirt splatting all over Angel. Because that is the sound effect. Squirt splat. And this green polymer is shot out of a little water gun in the back of his throat all over Warren. We'll have another Daily Double, but I put Hodge's mouth glue. <laughs> Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Oh. Yeah, that was definitely very, very silly. <laughs> I thought it was acid at first, and I was like, ooh, that's scary. And then it's like, oh, it's goop. He spat gack at him. The green was a choice. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> All right. The next accolade is our key of C accolade, which we give to a moment we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. I feel like we needed a recurring running theme of ventilation duct, uh, <laughs> musical number. Okay. Of, you know, to the vents, to the vents. <laughs> like just <laughs> like the silliest. <laughs> Do they not realize that there's like elevators in this place? Because at one point, like, Anderson is like, we, we've got a coup against the president. I don't know if anyone was in ventilation shafts after that, but like, it seems like they were just like, well, these hallways are real empty. Better uh, go up into the ductwork. <laughs> what about your key of C? I think the moment between Gene Scott and Wolverine would have had a fun key of C. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But just uh, I like, like that. Like, I like Gene a kind of cutting. Well, yeah. yeah. Triangles are great. You know, it's you just can fun do, and fiction. You can do trigonometry. That's, I meant it fictional. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will go down with this ship. Relationship, either friendship, romantic, otherwise. So, I know I gave this already in the first episode of Extinction Agenda to Gene and Storm, but I'm giving it again to Gene and Storm. Because I feel like the moment Storm restored Jean's powers was really focused on in a way that I found interesting and exciting. <laughs> okay. Interesting and exciting. <laughs> they better put that... The way they, they held hands and looked deeply into each other's eyes <sighs> and were surrounded by this beautiful, crackling, vibrating energy. Mm-hmm. I ship it. <laughs> So mine is a is a is a familial relationship. Mm-hmm. I called I said the havoc slash cyclops bro down. The bro down was very good. Yep, it was. It, that's a good ship. All right, and last but not least, the goodest hit. I had to give my goodest hit to Rain ripping apart Hodge's head and throwing it into like the wreckage of the building. I feel like this th- that man is a man with more circuitry than he knows what to do with. I felt like he had none left falling off the building, and she just found some. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I got to give mine to Cyclops for the blast that shoots the head off the roof. That was a very good blast. I kind of imagine it like when you like use when you're playing pool and you like. Oh yeah, <sighs> yeah. you're getting getting the eight ball at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom, flies off the roof. Hodge the eight ball. That's his next 
his next gig. He is just like there's vaguely a face on an eight ball. He talks a little bit and taunts you during your game of pool. Horrifying. I cannot deal with this. Well, I have nightmares. (laughs) Well, thank you, readers. We made it through Extinction Agenda. Uh, Now, before we sign off, we have uh, an announcement to make. Mm -hmm. We are uh, planning on and plotting out the ending of Chris's on Infinite Earths. We have very, very much enjoyed our time talking about crossovers, uh, but we're going to be looking forward to branching into other things, maybe podcasting, maybe just writing, not really sure. But we think that the time for us talking about crossovers is reaching its conclusion. It's looking like summer 2022 is probably going to be the end, but we'll have exact dates probably sooner rather than later, to be honest, because we are really going to be plotting out the next year. Mm -hmm. We've already been in touch with our patrons and talking with them about the switchover. So if you were looking to monetarily support Chris's on Infinite Earths, our Patreon, our Patreon will only be open at the $1 level. Our Kofi will still be there. Yeah. And, and there is you also. Can, you can give at any level on Patreon. We are not encouraging you to do so at this time because we are kind of phasing out. But if you are feeling the need, but we will only have the $1 level available um, after January 1st. So patrons who are already on. Uh, have already been contacted. And if you are a patron who feels like you haven't been contacted, please check your spam folder. A lot of times emails have gone there. But for everybody else, we are going to be... We will still thank you at the end of an episode as if you if you join our Patreon. But that is kind of mm-hmm. it. And you can always join the Patreon of Comics XF, where... That will still support us. That is still supporting... <laughs> That still supports us and has lots of fun perks and everything there. So that would be a great place to transition to or to support us um, if you wanted to keep supporting Chris and I. Yep. We've had a lot of fun with you all, though. Uh, And this is not the end yet. We still have months and months of programming to go. We have some of my favorite crossovers in the pipeline. And so I will be really excited. Mm -hmm. I will probably be incredibly, like, downtrodden when Christy is, like, slightly less excited. It always happens. (laughs) But yeah, we we still got a, a lot of time ahead. We'll be ending. Did we start this in 2017 or 2018? I can never remember. Uh, 2017, because we did not have an infinite at the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yes, It'll 2017. Be five years of podcasting because we started in June. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. So we'll we'll end after five years. That's probably that, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty decent length podcast. Who can say that? Mm-hmm. We did it. Almost. Soon. I'm I'm giving Chris a handshake to celebrate. Wow. <laughs> a married handshake. <laughs> we better on the show. I honestly cannot think of the last time I shook your hand. I don't think we've ever. No, we probably have at some point. Probably it to be silly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that felt so strange. <laughs> but if you want to follow us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us on Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. Leave us those five-star iTunes reviews. We'd still love to read those out on the show. Uh, yes. Uh, you can also leave us five-star reviews on things like Stitcher, etc. Um, you can support us on Ko-fi and Patreon. Links in the show notes. Again, like what we said with Patreon earlier, we are going to be removing all but the $1 level. So usually I'd say something like, you can get all sorts of cool perks, but the perk will be we will read your name out, which is mm-hmm. the $1 level perk. 
Thank you, readers. And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>